The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Support from this podcast comes from our friends over at Wicked Memories. Ladies, do you like candles? Do you not like buying them at ridiculous prices? Guys, are you sick of your apartment and your room smelling like feet all the time and want it to be a little bit more presentable for when your parents or ladies come over? This place has it all. 408 Oliver Street in North Tonawanda. Guys, I went to view their products. It's a combination of two stores, Melting Memories After Dark and Wickedly Handcrafted. And their products... Oh, my God. They're so good. Um, Their Taste the Rainbow Artisan Soap, I've been using at my house. And some of the candles that they give smell so much like the actual product. Their Honeysuckle one is delicious. So go check them out. They have in-store deals every Saturday that you can only take advantage of there. Mention my name over there as well, and they'll be able to give some more support to this podcast. And who knows, they might even throw you a discount or two. Just mention me. Wink, wink. Check them out. 408 Oliver Street in North Tonawanda, New York. You can also view their website and on their Facebook page has the link to Everything you could possibly need. Again, that is Wicked Memories, which is a combination of Melting Memories After Dark and Wickedly Handcrafted, 408 Oliver Street, North Tonawanda. Make your life smell nice. Welcome to episode 27 of Your Average Ordinary. I'm your host, Dan Torres. Hey, everybody. It's so great to be with you guys again. It's been a long couple of weeks. I uh, had to unexpectedly take the last two weeks off. It's been weird being away from the studio, and honestly, it's weird being back in here right now because I feel off. I feel like I haven't been back and doing this for so long because I've been focusing on so many different things, but... It's just me this week. Um, I thought I was going to get two episodes in, but again, life got in the way. So I wanted to do an episode and just kind of update you guys on some stuff and um, also go into the UFC pay-per-view that will be airing as of this episode when it drops. Uh, It'll be tonight that it's airing on. So it is so good to see you guys. I'm happy to be back. Uh... Wow, if I could put these last few weeks on paper, it would be like a book in the last two weeks. I uh, My mental health was uh, severely crazy uh, from like last week to maybe early this week a little bit. I think Sunday I kind of came out of it and uh, I don't know what happened. I think that I was holding a lot in for a little bit. Um, whether it be just stress that I didn't realize I was carrying on or whatever it was, but I just kind of uh, ended up kind of hitting a wall and just breaking a little bit. But I think it's good because I think everybody kind of needs that and they need that reset and it's healthy in a sense because it's your body telling you when something's off or you know when you need to take a break and when your mental health needs to be focused on. So I kind of took the last... Uh, 
I I would say like the last like 10 days or so I've really been kind of focusing on that and aligning myself in every sense but uh I feel great uh as of today I'm so happy it's the weekend because I'm recording on a Friday right now and school has just been Really, really, really crazy. Uh, the beginning of the school year coming back from everything with COVID and uh, everybody adjusting and everybody uh, having shortages in a lot of their work areas um, has just been really challenging and it's been a lot to navigate. And I feel for some of these families who, you know, are looking to send their kids to school on a regular year that. Uh, have to work and work a regular job and it's kind of challenging for them too so if you have a kid in school if you have a friend or a close family member or any family member really that works in a school or uh, any industry like that please be patient with them right now because they're going through a lot and you know really say you appreciate them because we're all just trying to live a normal life. It's it's so weird to think about how, you know, less than two years ago or so now, we still didn't have to worry about this and everything was just, you know, normal life. And uh, it, it, the, if you would have told me then that this was how we were living now, I never would have believed it. But I think, you know... I think you have to go through a lot in that sense. I it, This was weird for me in the last couple of weeks because the last time that uh, my depression kind of hit, I was in the midst of pandemic like everybody else. I didn't have a job. I uh, was, you know, not acting, not uh, – I was teaching virtually maybe a little bit. Uh, I hadn't moved out yet. And um, I really was kind of holding out for something that was really good to kind of happen and to get a job that I really, really liked. So I applied for a couple of different things. And then I I ended up finding this job that I have now that I'm really, really grateful for. But like there was a point before that where when I was kind of holding out for everything, nothing was coming and I almost settled and – you know, not having that outlet to work because work as much as like everybody complains about it and what we do, it's kind of an outlet because you think about something else for a little bit. And I liking my job, I don't mind being there ever, which, you know, always helps with everything. But it's it's really disheartening when you can't get something that you feel appreciated at. And, uh, you start like questioning your work ethic and things like that. But, um, so I kind of understood more than why I was upset. And now I feel like I'm in a much better place and it kind of hit out of nowhere, which, which was really, really weird. It, 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 uh, I, I'm struggling for words a lot because it's hard to describe, but it just felt like I was holding back a lot and then the dam just broke. But, um, it's it's really nice to be back. I can't say it enough. Um, oh, if you did miss me, I hope you checked me out on uh, 
Eat Sleep List, which is Matt Johnson's podcast. That was a really, really fun episode we did. We talked about the top 10 movie fights of all time. And uh, I... I still feel like I left a bunch out that were really, really good. It was so hard to narrow down just anything with that. But uh, we had such a great time. We got so sidetracked talking about, you know, just absolutely everything else as we always do. But that was really fun to be with him. So make sure you check that out if you haven't. Um, and I have a lot of really fun things coming up. I have a lot of really great guests planned and that I've been talking to that I'm hoping to get on. Um, but, uh, another thing that's been going on as well is I'm involved with a show over at Jewish Repertory Theater in Buffalo called Photograph 51. Um, that's one of the reasons that my time's been a little bit more consumed, but in such a good way. Um, I love the role I'm playing. It's very, uh, similar to how I am in my actual real life. So, uh, it's it's a fun character to get into, um, and the cast is just fantastic. And some of them I've worked with before, um, but others I have not, and I have wanted to work with for a while. So that's really nice. I'm so excited for that. Um, and check out, if you haven't already, on YAO's channel, if you subscribe to us, there's an episode that's called Dish and Disses Pilot. It's... Uh, a pilot for a show me and Texas Dave are doing where we're just going to complain about our lives every week and, and just totally goof around and make fun of each other. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, do it. It was a really fun episode to record, and uh, the Cheese Man and my friend Cosmo were in the room at the time when we did it, and I thought that added a really cool atmosphere to have, like, people there during the recording so look out for that we're hoping to have it launched by uh early to mid-october so we will be getting that on our own channel as soon as possible so keep an eye on that and uh other than that i will be back weekly that is my plan uh at least unless life takes a drastic toll but um it should not be an issue at all so look out for that and uh, one of the things I wanted to do today is, like I said, UFC 266 is tomorrow. So I want to go over that card real quick because it kind of snuck up on me with everything going on. I uh, I usually get really excited for cards that are this good, at least on the main card. And I don't know why I haven't spent any time like thinking about it, recovering it. So some of this might be a stream of consciousness, and I apologize if I don't go super, super long on this episode. But I also wanted to, you know, get back in the swing of things and be back with you guys. Um, shout out to uh, Cheese Man. Shout out to Dave. They've been really good to me the past couple of weeks. Um, shout out to my parents, my brother Ben, um, my brother Jonathan, all of them checked in. A bunch of my friends checked in on me on Facebook and things like that. So thank you for that. Um, I missed being here uh, a lot. I feel nervous being back in here, which is, <laughs> I, I think I said that, but it, it's very, it's very overwhelming right now what I'm feeling. But uh, I, this being back in the booth right now is really great. It, it's it's a really, really wonderful thing. And so let's go over this. Um, I'm really excited for a lot of card fights on the undercard of this. 
Uh, if you don't know, two, uh, UFC 266 is headlined by Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Brian Ortega. And it is taking place in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Uh, so it has a big fight feel. It's International Fight Week. So um, the UFC Hall of Fame induction happened uh, on Wednesday, I believe. Shout out to them. Um, a lot of really, really great candidates. A class was headlines by George St. Pierre, uh, who absolutely deserves to be in there. One of the best champions of all time. The GOAT in my book. Uh, only has two losses, avenged them both, came back after four years, retired, and won the belt in a division that he didn't even belong in in the beginning. Uh, so what more can you say other than that? He's 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 the GOAT. If he would have defended it in that division, it would have been a little bit better. But, you know, we'll see what the future holds for him. Him versus Khabib would have been incredible because I, I just don't know what would have happened in that fight. Probably Khabib with how crazy his wrestling is, but um, it, it, it's really, 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 really amazing to see some of these guys that were idolized go in now because you realize, oh, you know, we're going to see fighters like them, like uh, the Cowboy Cerrone's and stuff. We're going to see less and less of them. Even the Connors with the leg break, we don't know what's going to happen with that in the future. That might have numbered his days a little bit more, but... You know, we'll see what the future holds for him. His recovery is looking pretty good right now. So um, I know my cousin Nick is a huge stand for him. So we'll see how that goes. And I'll be watching the fights with him tomorrow. So I'll be sure to clown him about that. (laughs) Um, But this is taking place again tomorrow in the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega, which I have no idea what's going to happen in that fight. But we will get to that in a little bit. The undercard for this is really stacked. Um, of course, because fight week is uh, this week, they wanted to have something really, really good to go with it. So let's take a look at this real quick. I've got my notes in front of me. I just want to see some of these ones that I want to get into. Um, Shamil, oh my God, I'm going to mess this up. This is the second fight on the preliminary uh, card on ESPN plus the fight pass card. I'm not going to go over um, right now just because a lot of those fighters are new too. And I don't want to give my insight on something I know nothing about because who wants to hear that? Why would anybody want to hear me do that by any means? Um, so uh, actually I'll go over the first fight first. So Roxanne Mataferi versus Tiala uh, Santos. I love Roxy. Roxy has a, I have a soft spot for an MMA. She's such a lovable fighter. Nickname is the Happy Warrior. So how can you absolutely not love that girl? Huge anime nerd, huge jujitsu nerd. Um, just really, really exciting to watch. Sometimes that fight versus Macy Barber um, that she won, even though Macy Barber got injured during it, she Roxy was dominating that fight to begin with. So you never know what contributed to that. But it's hard with her because she's one of those people that uh, kind of flip-flops wins and losses. It seems like if she doesn't get on the ground, uh, she has a disadvantage uh, on the feet. And a lot of people are faster and she's kind of, you know, getting up there with that. Um, You know, she's alternated wins and losses over her past 10 fights. So it's it's really hard to... (sighs) It's hard to predict her winning and being super confident in it because, you know, 
again, it, it, it's you think you know her points, and then oh, she drops one, oh, and she's back one. But she's also facing high level competition, as everybody else is. Um, so Talia Santos, who's two and one in the UFC, has also won both her victories by decision. So I'm not necessarily going to pick in this one, but I think. <laughs> I, as I make a pick, I think Santos is going to win this fight just because, um, I don't know, I feel like she's going to be better on the feet than Montefiore is. Uh, I, I, I think that if Montefiore gets her jujitsu in somehow, um, I think it could be a finish early in the fight if she clinches and gets uh, the right way. Uh, but... I see Santos winning this fight as much as I love Roxy. She's 17 and one overall. So I think momentum is a huge factor in that. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's a toss up, but I'm going to say Santos. Okay. I'm ready to attempt this last name now. Shamil Abdurakimov. 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 Shamil Abdurakimov. Okay. I got it. I got it. I can read. I promise. Shamil Abdurakimov versus Chris Dawkins. So these two fighters, this is a really interesting fight because um, Abdurakimov, uh, I might just call him Shamil just so I don't have to keep butchering that last name so much because I want to respect it. Um, Shamil is on a really great streak, but Chris Dawkins is one of um, the really, really good prospects in uh, the MMA scene right now. I think Dawkins takes this fight. Uh, I think his momentum is really good right now. Um, with everything going on, momentum plays a huge factor in MMA uh, for whatever reason. I think that uh, I, I think his striking is really, really cool. I uh, really cool. Yeah, that's re- really analyst like. I think it's really, really crisp. Is what I meant to say with that. Really cool. Um, Shamil is fast, but I don't think he has the power to put Dawkins out. Um, whereas I think Dawkins could take uh, Abdurakimov out with, uh, I, I think it might be early in the fight, like the first or second round. Um, so I'm going to say Dawkins in this fight. I'm really excited for it, though, because it really could go either way. Um, this next one, Dan Hooker is just an absolute madman. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know the story behind this, so Dan Hooker, uh, fights out of New Zealand, which right now their quarantine rules are really, 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 really strict. And no one can fly out of there or do anything or, uh, you know, they have to be in quarantine for like two weeks before uh, going out. And then they fly out and do all this, do that. Um, and so as much as Hooker wanted to, he couldn't get a visa to fly to the United States. They weren't letting people over. So he was he was booked for this fight, and he was having a hard time getting anybody at all to let him over. So the, he tweeted last week as a last resort to the U.S. asking for a visa, like begging them for something for the fight. And the, he got in touch with someone, and he... <laughs> He worked something out somehow, some way. So he got in on Thursday. He made the wait today. Absolute madman. And uh, he's fighting tomorrow, which I don't know how he does that. And I, how can you not love him going into this fight? He's 7-3 and three since he moved up to the lightweight division. Um, he earned 17 of his 20 career victories by stoppage, which is really crazy. There's it, it, 10 of his UFC wins, all 10 of them. 
are by stoppage, all of them. Um, so if you're a betting man, which sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, I would put money on at least a finish in this. That's that's something you might be able to expect if he wins. Um, he's earned UFC knockouts, listen to this, by a punch, kick, knee, and elbows. He Each of those he has a knockout with. So he's punched people, knocked them out, kicked them in the head, kneed them, and elbowed them. <laughs> that's insane. If you haven't seen his fight with Dustin Poirier, you need to go watch it. It's absolutely incredible. And they have the most strikes in the lightweight division uh, with in one bout, at least, with 390. They threw 390 strikes at each other in five rounds. That fight, that fight is like watching a tornado just move in a contained space and just go rattle back and forth. And... Uh, so he's an exciting fighter to watch. If you're going to watch a fight, like at least on the undercard, watch it for that. Um, he defends 90% of opponents' takedown attempts. 90%. That's one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. That's tied for the third best rate in the division. That's that's like I, I don't understand how people have that rate with so many high-level um you know, takedown artists and wrestlers in each division. Each division has killers in that. Khabib was in Hooker's division. I don't think, you know, it's hard to say with Khabib what would have happened because nobody ends up taking his uh, takedowns uh, defended at all throughout the fight. Khabib always ends up getting something like that. Um but Hooker's defended 90% of them in the fights that he's been in, which is such a good stat. I think Poirier is one of the only people to take him down, actually. But he's fighting an absolute killer, too, in Nazred Haparest, which is, uh, who is 5-2 and two, uh, in the UFC. He's 13-3 and three overall. Um, he goes to decision a lot, which is why I think he might have a disadvantage in this fight a little bit. Um, he's defended a lot of significant strike attempts, though, um, but I think he's also a slower starter and I think he's a grinder and I think Hooker is, uh, someone who's really adept to that. And he, I, at CKB, he's always with those people and he's always training with those people. So I, I think that that's where he's going to fall short a little bit, especially, um, Dover caught him with a good shot. And I think Hooker hits harder than Dover does. I really do. Um, and sometimes that's a factor, but I think in this fight it really will be. I think it's going to be something that plays really good into effect. I think with the stakes right now, I don't think there's any way that Hooker's going to lose this fight because if uh, he went all through all this and he doesn't punch someone in the face, he's going to go absolutely insane. So I'm going to take him in this fight. Um, I think that my official prediction... Let's say second-round stoppage. I'm going to say second-round TKO with that. I don't think he's going to submit him, but I think um, the hangman's going to do his thing. And uh, if you're going to watch anything on ESPN or ESPN Plus tomorrow, watch that because that's going to be uh, a killer fight. And uh, the main event on this prelim bout is also a banger of a fight, which is... uh, it's Marlon Marais and Marab Duvalishvili. That one I can say because I'm a Matt Sarah guy. Um, but this one really, really jumps off the card for me, both on the undercard and the main card. It, this card is so stacked, though, that 
it's hard to pick those ones off of here um, because they're all exciting in different ways. Um, but uh, this one in particular, if Marab can win this fight, it'll be a huge step forward uh, in the division for him. And Marlon really, really, really needs this fight if he's going to stay a contender in uh, the lightweight division as well. Um so, oh my God, I said the lightweight division, the bantamweight division. I'm so drained from this long week. <laughs> I really just am. Um, but uh, this one's going to be fun. So Marlon, if you don't know, is a former um, World Series of Fighting, uh, which is the PFL now. Um, he's the bantamweight champ, and he defended his title for a record six times over there. Um, he is really a killer and he was in the title picture for Bantamweight for a very long time. In fact, I was there live when he got a 22nd knockout from uh stemming from a kick to the head. Um but that one was really really sad for me too cuz he was fighting Jimmy Rivera and Jimmy Rivera is my guy and um that was surprising because we all expected like a five round, like a really long grinding main event and it ended faster than anybody could have predicted it would. Um, so he's one of four Bantamweights in UFC history to earn mo- multiple knockouts stemming from a knee or a kick, knee and a kick. So uh, I believe he did that with Aljamain Sterling. He had that really famous one. Uh, and then he's gotten his kicks are just absolutely legendary for just he's got that like left leg hospital, like right leg more kind of mentality like uh, Crow Cop had. Uh, but his last four has been have been really rough. He's been finished in a lot of them against high level competition. Um, Rob Font really, uh, really killed his momentum le- uh, like this past year. I be- no. Was it this year that he fought him? I think it might have been this year. Um, whenever they fought, that was, I think, a real, real tipping point for Marlon. Um, but I think he needs this one. But Marab is also on a tear. So he's on a five-fight winning streak at Bantamweight, which is the so- second longest active in the division behind their champ right now, which is Aljo. Um, and he's 13-4 and four overall. He's 6-2 and two in the UFC. And his two losses are really cre- questionable. Um, he faced... Ricky Simone, which they called that one after the fight ended, even though he would have won a split decision. It was weird. Um, And then the first one, I feel like he had won that fight too. Um, But he's earned most of his fights by decision. He's a grinder. Um, All of his UFC wins are um, by decision as well. So if you're a prop man, do that. Um, He does thrive on takedowns, though. He has 46 in the UFC in the uh, Bantamweight competition. So... He, that's the most in divisional history. He's an absolute machine. He's just a grinder, and he just in the gym too. He apparently just throws everybody around, and he's like, then he's ready for the next guy, and he's on the mats all day. He just he's he's a machine. He's that's his nickname for the uh, for that reason. Um, he's landed ten or more takedowns in three separate uh, UFC fights. Ten, ten or more. That's him. He just throws people around. Um, Mighty Mouse also did that. He's one of two fighters that did that. Those are both the fighters that did that, that landed 10 or more in separate fights. That's... I don't understand how people have the cardio for that. Throwing someone one time takes so much strength. 
and just being able to grind like that is you've got to respect that art it's so impressive to be able to do and to be able to (laughs) to like really uh win fights with um he outlanded uh Tarion Ware when he fought him. He unlanded outlanded him by 183 total strikes. And that's the largest in uh the UFC history. That's the largest differential of uh in the Bantamweight division at least. Uh it's it's hard to see him losing this fight. I feel like he's got the cardio to beat Marlon. I think Marlon has a lot in the first round. And then if you get him past that, I think he slows down significantly. Um, I don't think that's something that changed throughout his whole career. Um, So I think this is going to be a huge turning point for Marab. I think he's going to take it by decision. And I think he's really going to get some high-level, high-high-level competition, too, after this and just be in the conversation for that because he needs to start getting respect in that aspect. I feel like a lot of people are overlooking him because of his fight style, but those can be the most interesting to watch. You just need to stick with them and learn to watch for specific things that they do to get a guy to the ground. Getting a, Not being able to get a guy off you is so exhaust. Oh, man. Phrasing. Boom. Um Moving on. <laughs> so we're going to the main card now. We've got, uh, in the women's flyweight division, we've got Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo. Um, I have a soft spot for Cynthia Calvillo because she fought in Buffalo against Pro Gonzalez. And um, I really have soft spots for any fighter that I've seen live. I always tend to root for them. Um, so I'll probably take her by default in this fight. But um, some of the things, some of the stats on this one, even though Andrade is probably going to win this fight, but we'll see. Um, Calvillo's one-on-one since she moved to uh, flyweight. She's completed at least one takedown, at least eight of her nine UFC opponents, um, which she's 9-2-1 uh, and one in MMA, and she's 6-2-1 and one in the UFC. Um, so... Eight of uh, eight of her nine UFC opponents, she's at least been able to take down once, and I think that's always uh, a huge factor. Like I was saying before, uh, she has three submission victories in the strawweight uh, division two, which is tied for second most in the divisional history um, behind Mackenzie Dern. And Mackenzie Dern is a ton, which she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert, so you would expect that from her. But um, Calvillo's fighting at Jessica Andrade, and Andrade is an absolute killer. An absolute killer. She's twenty-one and nine in MMA. She's twelve and seven in the UFC, and she's going to be the first female in UFC history to make twenty octagon appearances. Which think of how crazy that is in the UFC. Think of the fact that Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey didn't make it to that each, and how um, revered and pioneered they are. Think of Amanda Nunes, who's the goat. She hasn't made it to 20 octagon appearances, which is, she will. I think she will by the end of it. I don't think anybody's beating her, and she's just going to defend her titles as much as possible. But um, Andrade's been in it since the beginning, and it's just been actively fighting and doesn't get injured a lot. Uh, That's... That's really, really impressive that she's going to be that woman to do that. And I think it cements her place in history a lot more. Um, I wish her strawweight, uh, yeah, strawweight. I wish her strawweight title would have um, reigned, at least would have lasted longer than it did because um, she had to lose to um, Zhang Wei Li. But uh, I digress on that. Uh, since she moved to flyweight, she's one and one. That loss came from Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko, who we'll get to later, but not a lot of people winning her and not a lot of people are going to do that thing 
as well. Um, she's one of 13 fighters in UFC history to earn a victory in three weight classes. So she's done it at strawweight, she's done it at flyweight, and she's done it at bantamweight. She's won in all three of those divisions. She's the only female to accomplish that feat. She's the only one to do that. Um, that's She's really a pioneer in a lot of ways, and she's going to deserve her place in the Hall of Fame while that time does come. Uh, her 12 UFC victories are tied for are the second most of any female in company history uh, behind Amanda Nunes. So Amanda Nunes has more victories than her, but Andrade has more fights. Uh, she's one of 12 fighters in UFC history to earn a knockout stemming from a slam. That was against uh, at 237, UFC 237 against Thug Rose. Oof, that was hard to watch. She put Rose right on her neck and Rose was out. Um, but then they had one of the best fights uh, of the year when they had it, in my opinion, when they faced a second time. Um, and I thought that Andrade was actually going to win that fight at the end of it. Um, she uh, has she landed 242 total strikes against Claudia Gadea at uh, UFC Fight Night 117. And that's, a, that's the single fight record in strawweight. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch that. That's a gem. They both go... Um, back and forth really good during that fight, and you really don't know who's going to win it, even though I just spoiled it for you, I think. Uh, actually, I don't know if I did. You don't know who's going to win that fight. That's a banger of a fight. It's a really, really good... Uh, and they, I remember walking in after a show to it and just being absolutely blown away. Uh, but go back and watch that. Again, 242 total strikes were landed in that fight, which is just think about how much energy has to be thrown between two people to get that much out. I said that with Hooker and Poirier, but like, it it amazes me. It amazes me if people can do that. Um, She has the takedown record uh, as well in a UFC bout with uh, 10 against Tisha Torres, which, poor Tisha, we both got the same uh, last name, I feel for you, girl. Um, and her seven fight night bonuses for strawweight are the most in divisional history. Um, so Andrade has just a Hall of Fame record. I think she beats Calvillo here, and I think it's going to be in the first round. I think she's going to do it by knockout. I don't think it's going to be by sub. I think Calvillo is too good in that area. Um, but I think Andrade just is a killer, and I think with the power she holds, I don't think a lot of people can stand up with her and be in her game for a really long time. And Rose is the only one with like a good enough game plan to really get through in that division, and and uh, Shevchenko, at least in the flyweight division, and uh, in that I I just I don't see anybody beating her in that other than Valentino. I I, I think it's going to be her in the top three for a very long time, um, but we'll see. Um, Second fight on the main card is Curtis Blaze and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I'm uh, I'm really excited to see this. This is Curtis Blaze for his first um, time back since the loss to Derek Lewis, um, which was really unexpected and uh, <laughs> really, 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 really crazy. Um, but Rosenstrike is also coming off. Um, he's coming off a victory against Augusto Sakai, which he got rather easily. Um, but he's six and two in the UFC. He's twelve and two in MMA overall. He's earned eleven of twelve career victories by stoppage. He's finished all of those wins by knockout, all of them. So he's knocked out eleven of uh, his twelve like people that he's fought, which 
think of how much power you have to have to consistently do that. Um, he had a nine-second knockout at, US, at uh, UFC at ESPN plus 12. Oh, my God. Try saying that five times fast. UFC at ESPN plus 12. Yes, yes, that one. He had a nine-second knockout then, which is the second fastest in heavyweight history behind Todd, Duff, uh, Todd Duffy. Oh, my God. What is it with me doing a podcast and not being able to talk? And why is it on solo episodes I can never freaking talk? I don't get it. I'm sorry you have to listen to my poor voice. Um, his knockout of um, Alistair Overeem at uh, the 4 minute and 56 second of round 5 on UFC, and, uh, UFC on ESPN 7. Oh my gosh. Mark, the third latest stop in UFC history behind Demetrius Johnson's win um, at UFC 186. And Yair Rodriguez's victory um, on fight night 139, which isn't true at all. The latest finish in UFC history is Ricky Simone and, Rab- and Marab Devalishvili because it finished at five minutes of the third round. That's the actual latest fist- finish in UFC history. That's what it is. That's what it is on the record books. But um, the Rosen strike one is crazy um, because he blew up Alistair Overeem's lip and it was really disgusting. Um, and he defends 80% of takedown attempts. But I don't think that's going to happen against this man who is Curtis Blaze. He's 14-3 and in MMA. He's 9-3 and in UFC. He's landed 59 takedowns, and they're the most in divisional history. 59 takedowns. 59. This night is all about the wrestlers. This is such a wrestler-heavy card. Um, I would say about the wrestlers a lot of the time on this. Um, his 14 takedowns landed against Alexander Volkov are, have a single fight record in a UFC bout. Um, they're the third most in the UFC fight behind Khabib and behind Sean Shirk. Um, Khabib has 21 at UFC 160 and Sean Shirk has 16 at UFC 73. Um, Curtis Blaze has achieved almost 60 minutes of top control time. Um, and that just means when you're, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with that term, it's when you're wrestling and you just have the guy pinned and you have, um, you know. It, it's it's kind of straightforward. You have the more control over him, um, but uh, then his he has three knockouts stemming from elbow strikes too, uh, and he can also stand. He beat up JDS. He's beat up a lot of people on the feet. Um, I think he wins this fight. I think he's going to make a statement. I think he got caught with Derek Lewis on a really bad shoot, and I think he was telegraphing a lot. And I think Derek was preparing for certain things with that. Um, but I think Blades is going to still be in the top five and still pushing for that spot. I think the only one that's, that can really put his lights out are, uh, you know, Nganu and Lewis, the two heaviest hitters in that. Um, but that'll be a good fight. Um, I think that Blades is going to find his rhythm in the first and it's not going to be a competitive fight after that. Um, but I do think Blades is going to get that. Um, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler in a five round co-main event the third fight uh, the third down from the top which doesn't normally happen just happens for the diaz brothers apparently um nick diaz (laughs) dude nick diaz fought last and i graduated college trump had a whole presidency i became a whole actor i had a whole podcast his brother received superstar fame. People begged for him to come back. He's, it's so crazy. He got, if for those of you who don't know, he had a USADA suspension. It was overturned, but he had a suspension for five years. 
but it was uh, it was cut down to two. So he could have come back, and he just kind of didn't for a little bit. But he had a five-year suspension over marijuana, which is, I think, a little bit ridiculous. Um, and so he – but he's been gone so long that he could have served that suspension. And he he didn't serve the full suspension, but he absolutely could have. So it, it, it's it's bizarre to think about. It's bizarre to think that the last time I was watching uh, Nick Diaz, it was January 31st. 2015 which is my brother's birthday uh incidentally and it was in my uncle's living room with a bunch of my family watching him lay down in the middle of the octagon against a returning anderson silva who had broken his leg a few years earlier um he's been off for 2429 days it's the longest in his 20-year career from a professional fight almost 2500 days he's been gone that's crazy. That's crazy. I can't believe he's coming back. He's on a three-fight losing skid, and it's the longest of his career. Um, it, but it's tied for the longest of his career. Sorry. Um, he also went on a three-fight skid um, from 2005 to 2006. Um, but I, he's also fighting a man who's skidding a little bit, uh, which is Robbie Lawler, who's a former champ and one of my favorite fighters, has one of my favorite fights of all time against Rory McDonald. How can you not love that second fight that they had? Um, he's nine and six, uh, in his second sin in the UFC. Um, he's the first fighter. I don't know if people know this. He's the first fighter in history to force a belt change by decision. He forced it, uh, against Johnny Hendricks at, uh, UFC 181 in December of 2014. That one's significant for me because that's the UFC pay-per-view where I started considering myself like an actual fan, like I was going to watch it full-time. And that's where I started really, really diving into it. Um, it's going to be like 10 years pretty soon. That's I feel like I've been in it longer than... I'm going to be in it now longer than it's around soon. Um, but... Uh, Lawler is one of two fighters in history to win two title fights by split decision. Uh, on that note, um, Benson Henderson is the all, is the other one. Um, Lawler is significant strike disadvantage of minus eighty four in the Carlos Condit fight at UFC one ninety five marked the largest disparity in a UFC title fight history for a fighter who won about. That's an interesting fight because a lot of people, including myself, thought Condit won that fight. Uh, to begin with, and to see that he actually had that big of a strike differential makes you think a little bit. Um, but that one, again, that's another one. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch that. Watch Lawler Condit and watch um, Robbie Lawler and uh, Rory McDonald. It's incredible. Both of those fights are absolutely incredible, and any fan needs to see that. Um, he completes 77.9% of, uh, of his takedown attempts. But I don't think that's going to be a factor against Diaz. I don't know how to pick this fight, man. I want to see Lawler win this because he's been on a losing streak for so long. But I also don't want to see Diaz lose because he's been gone for so long. So I just want to see this fight play out. I want to see how long it lasts. I think it's the perfect time for them to fight again because they fought before very early in their uh, careers. Um, Diaz knocked him out the first time. But I don't know if that happens again. I don't know. I think Robbie might have the advantage in this fight, but we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm not even going to sugarcoat this fact. I don't think uh, 
that Valentina's going to be losing this belt for a very long time. And I don't think there's the competition in the division yet for her to be doing so. Um, if Laura Murphy wins this fight, I'll eat this piece of paper that I'm reading off of right now live on um, the podcast Precinct's channel just because, you know, I'm saying it on the record. Um, but Valentina Shevchenko is an absolute killer. I think that she's just going to cut through everybody that comes in her path right now. It's uh, it, it's it's really unfortunate that the division doesn't have, like, a super amount of depth right now because uh, – She's just, I feel bad for some of these fighters, even like the ones who have a lot of like experience and a lot of competition. Um, but just listen to these stats. So Shevchenko is one of two um, flyweight champions in UFC history. Nico Montano is the other one. Um, famously, she won the belt um, off of the Ultimate Fighter, but she got stripped of it when she uh, couldn't defend her title. It was a really weird situation. Um she uh, Shevchenko has five consecutive um, flyweight title defenses. That's the most in divisional history. Um, she has five consecutive. Um, it, her five consecutive title defenses are tied with Amanda Nunes's five at bantamweight, um, which is interesting because Amanda Nunes has been bantamweight champ way longer. Um, but it, it's just showing how active Shevchenko also is too. She just wants to defend that belt as much as possible, which more, more power to her. I want to see that more than anything. Um, she's one of seven fighters in UFC history to end a title fight, knocking, uh, knocking out someone from a head kick. Um, when she, I honestly thought she killed Jessica. I, when she kicked her in the head, it was, it was such a perfectly placed shot and it put her out immediately. Um, it was, it was very scary, but, uh, I don't think that I don't think I had any business being around with her. It was, it's 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 bad. Um, Shevchenko is seven and zero since dropping to the flyweight division, and she's just murdered everybody. Um, it's the longest active streak in the division, as you can imagine. Um, her victories at flyweight are tied with Caitlin Kukajian for the most in divisional history. Um, she has four stoppages. Uh, in flyweight, which is tied, it's the second most in divisional history behind Jillian Roberts, uh, Robbins, uh, Robertson. Again, can't talk today. I apologize, people. It's been a long week. Um, she has three knockout victories in uh, in UFC women's flyweight, and that's the most in divisional history. She lands seventy or fifty. Oh my God, I cannot read. Fifty six point four. She lands 56.4% of her significant strike attempts, um, which is the best accuracy in the division. She's the only fighter in UFC history to earn a multiple knockout stemming from the crucifix position, which, if you don't know, is a wrestling position where you pin both the arms and you just kind of pummel the head. Um, She did that at UFC 247 and 261, I believe. It was against uh, Caitlin Kukajian and against um, Jessica Andrade. Yeah, that was the other one, I believe. Um... Shevchenko uh, has completed at least one takedown in 11 of her 12 UFC appearances, um, including against Amanda Nunes. Uh, she's taken to, she has 25 takedowns, and it's the most in flyweight competitional history, again, as you can imagine. For Laura Murphy, who is a stud, don't get me wrong, I really like this girl, but I just I don't think anybody has a chance in hell right now. Um, but Murphy is 6-1 and one since she dropped to the uh, flyweight division. 
She's on a five-fight win streak right now, which is the second longest active streak in the division behind Valentina. Um, she has six victories in the UFC flyweight. Uh, six, her six victories in the flyweight division are tied for the third most in divisional history behind Shevchenko and Caitlin Kukajian. Um, she's earned four for six flyweight victories by decision. So if you're taking a prop bet, her by decision. Um, and she's one of six female fighters to earn a knockout stamming from a knee strike. I just don't think she has a chance. I think Valentina's so well-trained. I think she is just so good as a fighter. I, I think it's going to be a while before they get good competition from her. I think the Amanda Nunes fight makes the most sense, and I think she'll. I think Amanda wins that fight still. So I, I just I don't know. Um, but let's get to the main event because I'm so excited for uh, the Joe Lopez guy, Alexander Volkanovsky versus... Uh, the the Gracie trained Brian Ortega. I've been winning this fight uh, for this fight for a while. Originally scheduled for UFC 260, um, Volkanovski's uh, team got COVID, and it was it was postponed the week before, which uh, was really sad. It was really really hard to see. Um, but and Volkanovski's bout with that was really really bad too, from what I heard. Like it was no joke from him. Um, but this fight on paper doesn't seem as crazy as it actually is. But let's get into the stats. So first, the challenger, Brian Ortega, who is just an absolute killer, has fought uh, Korean Zombie, fought and beat Korean Zombie, fought Max Holloway, um, fought the homie Cub Swanson, and uh, tapped him out. First person in history to knock out Frankie Edgar. Kenato um, Moicano um, with that crazy finish in the third round of a fight he was losing. Um but he's an absolute killer, has nine of his 14 career victories by stoppage, um, and that's all six of his UFC wins. So him by stoppage might be a good thing to think about, wink, wink. Um, his six stoppage victories in the UFC featherweight division are tied for the third most in divisional history um, behind Max Holloway and behind Ricardo Lamas. Shout out Ricardo Lamas. Um, Ortega is the only fighter in UFC history to earn four consecutive third-round stoppage victories. That's an interesting fight to think about. Um, four, really? Interesting. Think about that, too, when you're doing a prop bet. Um, Ortega's three submission victories in featherweight competition are the third most in divisional history. Again, he's a Gracie-trained guy, so expect to see that jiu-jitsu if they go to the ground. Um, Ortega and Max Holloway combined to 400 significant strikes at UFC 31, which is the single-fight UFC record. Um, but he kind of took the brunt of most of that. In fact, there were points in that fight where Holloway was holding up Ortega's hands to correct the position to defend his punches. It was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, onto the champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, Volk is the only Australia-born UFC champion. Um, he's on a six-fight UFC winning streak, um, which is tied for Giga, uh, Giga Chikadze for the longest... Uh, second longest streak in the division behind Arnold Allen, who's on uh, in the top 15, who's at eight. Um, he enters the fight on a 19-fight winning streak. He hasn't lost since May of 2013. Uh, Volkanovski's 19-fight winning streak in MMA competition is the largest among active UFC fighters. He, he has a total. His has an average fight time of 16, nine, 16 minutes 19 seconds in featherweight competition which I don't know how that happens because 
you know, it just means he goes to decision on a lot of his things, but he's such a point fighter. It's the only way I can describe him, and his pressure is just absolutely insane. Um, he lands 55% of his significant uh, strike attempts. Um, that's the second best accuracy in the featherweight division behind uh, Jimmy Hates. Uh, he lands 6.16 significant strikes per minute which is the third best output rate in the divisional history, which is really, really crazy to think about, to be able to land that many um, and to find those holes and to find those openings. This is a tough fight, but I want to take Alexander Volkanovsky in this because of I think his fight IQ is really, really good. I think the fact that even though he, uh, I th- even though he beat Max Holloway arguably the second time, even though it was very close, he still beat him very convincingly the first time. And I think for anybody to meet, to beat Max Holloway twice like that says something about your skill. It says something very, very serious about that. Um, so I think he owns this division for a while, honestly. I, I don't see anybody really... <sighs> that's so hard to say because that's the the best division they have right now. It's a toss-up, but um, I think he solidifies his place in the division with this fight. I think he needs to get out of the shadow of those Holloway fights and to really uh, prove himself with it. So I'm looking for a banger of a fight. I think that's going to get fight of the night, but I think he comes out on top. I'm going to take him by decision through that. Um, Yeah, and that's that's UFC 266. That's our card for uh, Saturday, September 25th. Uh, which I'm super, super excited for. And I was really, really um, excited to preview and wanted to preview and take this episode to preview. Um, one thing before I go, I wanted to shout out my uh, friend and friend of the show, uh, Randy Philbrick, who got married last weekend. Um, it, it just from the stag to um, the rehearsal dinner to the wedding, it was just such a great time. And... The whole day when we're getting ready and like in the morning, I'm seeing the kid that I went to high school with. I'm just looking across the living room and like there's a kid. We're in the living room where he was like bombing cigs for the first time and like, uh, you know, just being kids. And uh, he uh, he was so uh, he looked so good. He handled himself so great that day. Um, Gianna looked absolutely beautiful and she's such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful addition to his life. Uh, the weekend was so great. We had such a fun time. Um, and all my friends were talking about it and just want to relive that whole weekend. So shout out to you, Randy. Um, congratulations on your wonderful wife, your wonderful daughter, your wonderful life coming. And may the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows, man. I just can't say nothing but good about you, dude. Um, that's it for this week's YAO. I wanted to get this episode in. Thanks for spending the last hour or so with me, guys. It's really, really appreciated. I'm going to be back with a guest next week. I'm not necessarily sure who, but there's going to be something. And I'm not going to be gone for a week ever again, even if it's something where I'm just talking to you guys because this is my baby, and I love all of you for being here. So until next week, be good to yourself, be good to your mental health, and I'll see you all next Saturday. Bye, guys. I love you.